0: Welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us this week. Happy Thanksgiving. This is Thanksgiving evening. I hope you've had a wonderful day with family and friends and probably violated all the lockdown orders as I plan to do all day and all weekend, but uh My intention in doing this show, even on Thanksgiving, is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And to help me do that in a wild year of 2020, I thought of Arizona Bell, that I wanted to have Miss Arizona on my show. So Arizona, welcome. I am so delighted
2: to have you with us. I'm honored to be here, Julie. Thank you so much. I know you've been on my podcast many times, and so it's a pleasure to be on yours now. Well, yeah, and you may know that I only have guests maybe three or four times a
0: year, if that. And since Thanksgiving's a Thursday and I do my show on Thursday nights, that's what we're doing this evening. But when I thought about who did I want to have on my show to... Really epitomize being grateful for all of the blessings this year, even though some people believe that we haven't had as many as others, you came to mind. So I'm well, delighted that you, you were able to to uh, free your busy schedule because I know you're crazy busy.
2: Yeah, it's it's good to be busy though in 2020, right? But yes, thank you for having me. I'm I feel so honored that you thought of me and I'm happy to be here on this special Thanksgiving episode. I know it's I know you only do a couple per year, so I'm I'm very very thrilled and honored. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, let me read you Arizona's
0: like official introduction here. Got to put on my glasses for this one. All right. Arizona Bell is the co-founder and CEO of Spirit Guides Media. A grief coach and afterlife activist, Arizona is an inspirational speaker with the message that examining death and what happens to us after death is the absolute best way to live our richest, most meaningful lives here on earth. Her podcast, A Matter of Life and Death, offers enlightened conversations with important voices in the worlds of spirituality, philosophy, and psychology, and her new book, Soul Magic, Ancient wisdom for modern mystics is a treasure trove of century-old secrets that will enrich all areas of your life. And as you mentioned, I have been so fortunate to be on your show a couple of times, and we've covered the what happens when you die stuff. So people, you can find us on, at, on Arizona's uh, different channels. I will put links in the show notes so you can find those. But today what I wanted to do was just do a deep dive on several different areas of spirituality that I know that you you have information and ma- have mastered. And I thought that would be a just kind of a fun way to kick off the holiday season of 2020. You are the wisest young person I know, truly. You are what they call an old soul, uh, I'm using air quotes there. And you really appeal from demographics of millennials to centenarians across the board. And for someone as young as you, I could be your mother. Probably. I don't think I could be your grandmother. I don't think there's that much of an age difference. But I could, although my my oldest uh, stepson is only eight years younger than I am. And I am a great grandmother. People say, how's that work? I said, well, he was born when I was in the third grade. So that's how that works. So my husband's older than I. But Talk to us about, I want to know about your young life. I mean, how does someone your age get to be so wise? And and where? what kind of childhood did you have? Where did you grow up? Tell me about your family. Did, were you raised in a commune, like chanting under crystals in a yerk as a child or what?
2: <laughs> well, I want to first thank you for that amazing intro and for your kind words. That, that really means a lot to me coming from you because you're somebody that I value the opinion of so much. So I really, really appreciate that. I, I did not grow up in a year. I did not grow up in any way, shape or form in a spiritual or religious family. In fact, my parents were both forced Catholics in their younger days. So they were of the generation saying, do what you want. You know, we're not going to yeah. force any. Religion. I did. Uh, I was in a, a Christian school for like four years because they had great daycare. That's about it, you know. Ah. And and I actually didn't do too well there. I I was uh, I asked too many questions, you know. So they put me in timeout a lot and and things like that. I, I said, how could Moses part the Red Sea? That doesn't make sense. So I I didn't fit quite in. However. I did kind of come out as, as you said, an old soul. I remember my mom's friends who were kind of more hippie and stuff coming around and being like, Maria, Arizona is such an old soul. So I remember hearing that quote unquote old soul from, from very, very early on. I didn't know what it meant, but that's something that I I have heard a lot. And I just remember being young and, you know, my parents were divorced when I was eight and my brother's 12 years older than me. So it was really just me and my mom. And my mom, after my dad, she was single. So it was just us. We were kind of like this team. And I remember just being a young person who always wanted to be at the adult table. And they would forget that I was y- that young sometimes. they, you know, And they'd forget they were talking about these big topics. And I just always felt remembering like, I feel like I'm 35 years old. I don't want to go play with all those kids. So that that's just kind of how I came out. That was kind of my demeanor. I I came out with um, an attraction to the esoteric, I guess you would say. And uh, but I I grew up in the suburbs of Phoenix in a very conservative town, just like normal normal as it gets, pretty much. And I was just always kind of the oddball. I was the the creative you know, kind of out there person. And yeah, so my, my upbringing wasn't anything magical in that regard. I just, I kind of just always been that way. So you didn't have dead people chasing you since childhood. I did not have dead people chasing me. Since <laughs> me childhood. neither. I did. People,
1: people
2: I didn't, say to me, I didn't did have, a, I did have people a lot of dead friends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, people say,
0: ah, uh, so have you been psychic since you were a kid? I'm like, no, I don't have dead people chasing me since childhood. I learned how to do all of this stuff. Uh, I know, but I which think, is something I love about you. Well, thanks. We all come in with intuitive abilities, and then we develop them and nurture them. For heaven's sakes, that's what I teach to people around the world that take my class. But it's... Uh, It's just something that we all have. And most of us shut it down by the age of about seven or eight, but it's there. It's kind of like they say, you can, once you know how to ride a bike, you can pick it up at any time. I think this is the same kind of a thing. Well, I know you've been through some tough times in your life. Talk to us a little bit about that. Tell everybody a little bit about that. And then how did that, did that change the trajectory of your life of what you thought you wanted to do and then what you ended up doing?
2: Sure. Um, yeah. So I have I have gone through some tough times in my life. And I, I believe what you're referring to is the passing of my mother when I was pretty young. And, you know, my life before that wasn't necessarily like served to me on a silver platter either. So I feel like I kind of had this toughness um, instilled in me. And like I said I was I had a, a attraction to the spiritual path, but it was always sort of a dabbling because I was very much living in a mainstream world. So I I was never full on in that regard. Um, and so my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was 27 and, and passed away a couple years later in the middle of my Saturn return for anybody who follows astrology. And I was, what does that mean for those of us that don't? Sure. So around 29, there's a little bit of a, a shadow period, but around age 29 and every 29 years, we go through what is called a Saturn return, which is basically where Saturn is in the sky where you were born. It takes 29 years to get back there, and Saturn's kind of the taskmaster, taskmaster of the planets, kind of the uh, tough lesson kind of planet. So when you do go through your Saturn return, it is a tougher time, quote unquote, in your life because Saturn basically shakes up your life and says anything that's not in alignment with your highest spiritual path. You know, you're going to have we're going to shake that up now and you're going to you're going to be redirected, I guess, through sometimes hard lessons. And the interesting thing about that for me was I was going through my first Saturn return when my mom passed away and my mom was going through her second Saturn return when she passed away. And both of our Saturns are in Scorpio and Scorpio is the zodiac sign of death, rebirth, and transformation. And that's really, really rare, that we are both in it in both of the same planet. So taking that just to kind of, I know I'm on a tangent now, but to me, it was written in the stars that this was going to happen, that my mom was going to pass away, and it was going to be a major rebirth for both of us and for me, uh, for sure, in, in this world. So my mom's death was a game changer for me. It changed my entire life to answer your question. I didn't I don't I didn't know anybody who had lost a parent my age and or anybody that they were really really close to. I didn't and I had no experience with death at all. You know I had lost my childhood dog and that was terrible. That was it. I hadn't lost grandparents, nothing. And so my first loss with zero tools or information to deal with it was my primary caregiver the love of my life me and my mom are best friends you know we, it was just right. me and her. so right was- so we're gonna take a
0: quick break and then when we come back we'll pick up on that everyone stay with us we'll be right back after the break welcome back We're talking with Arizona Bell and Arizona, before we went to break, we were talking about how when you lost your mom, it was the first person that was close to you who you'd lost and, and you said you were kind of flying blind going into this, this, what does it feel like to lose your primary caregiver and your, I would imagine maybe your best friend if it was just you and her growing up. I know you were very, very close. So how did you navigate that? What happened?
2: Yeah, we were best friends, best friends to the point where people were afraid for my survival. (laughs) It was just, it was a shock and it was, it was frankly terrible. And how did I navigate it? Well, to be completely honest, on my mom's deathbed, because she had cancer, she did die a slow death. I got to say goodbye to her and she said, baby, don't despair, don't despair. And in my last rebellion to my mother, I did, (laughs) I totally despaired. I, gosh, I'm gonna tearing up now, but for a year, I just completely, that's all I did. I despaired. I didn't do, I was depressed. I was suicidal. I didn't do anything with my life that was healthy. I didn't know how to go on. I didn't. And the one thing that I always had that was like my saving grace in any tough time was creativity and writing. And that was my connection to spirit. And even that was severed at the time. So I really was just, I was, I was out in the sea with no lifeboat, you know. And it was a, a hurricane. It was bad, and it was so bad that I, I reached the moment of surrender that I needed to reach to to transform that grief really into into alchemize it into creativity again. And so I, about a year after my mom died, I had this moment where I just had the sincerest prayer where I just dropped to my knees and I cursed at God. And I said, what the F do you want me to do? How, you know, I, I just, I I said my prayer, I said, if you need me to continue on, you need to show me what you need me to do. And, and I will do whatever you want me to do. And it was my moment of the deepest surrender. And I woke up the next day and it was like a whole new energy, a whole new me, a whole new everything. I knew what I needed to do. I need, knew where I needed to go. Who I needed to be with. I knew everything was clear. Where for the whole year I had no clarity. It was a. It was that catalyst moment for me, and it changed my entire life forward after that how did the information come into you were you given step by step
0: or were you given a roadmap like a business plan you know I'm a businesswoman something and business plan where you you come up with measurables along the way of let's do this and then we'll see how that goes and then let's do that how did that all unfold for you
2: it was a overall big picture plan was given to me. And so the idea for my company, Spirit Guides Media, I was given that information in a meditation about three years before my mom even passed away. But I was not at a point in my life to do it. I had the name Spirit. At the time, it was magazine, Spirit Guides Magazine. The tagline was new maps for old souls. There's that old soul again. I had it all, but I did not have the confidence to do it. So the the gift in grief for me was to really see, oh my gosh, life really is short. And I've had this idea in my head for three plus years because it's meant for me. So when I had that surrender moment, I woke up and I knew I needed to do spirit guides because I need to help, needed to help other people who were feeling lonely and lost and grieving. Like I was, I needed to provide that those new maps for old souls because There was a void there. As far as business, there's a void in the spiritual world for younger people. And, of course, what I do now, I I talk to all people and I reach all people. But we did start with the idea of being, you know, I'm a millennial. So I, I wanted spirituality to be a hip. I wanted it to be accessible. And there was this void that wasn't doing that at the time many years ago. And so I was like, I just fully understand. Spirit gave me the big picture. I didn't get the water I didn't get the detailed step by step I just knew the big picture and the next step I needed I didn't have all the steps I had to continue to have faith and trust and spirit to get all the steps as as I progressed forward so well I I find that
0: over and over and over again in my life same thing I have the end result I don't know how I'm going to get there I just know that the people I need to show up are going to show up when I need them and they always do, whether it's a business situation or whether it's I'm moving somewhere and I need a home or whatever. And it's it's at my age now, for years, I've just expected it. And it always happens. So I don't get wound up about it. People say, why are you going to do that? I don't know. You know, how does a girl with a communications degree invent surgical devices sold throughout the world? I did it. The people I needed to show up showed up when I needed them. And even to the point where people would say some of that stuff was just miraculous. Yeah, it was, but it it's just the way it goes. And I think we get paralyzed with fear when we think we're supposed to have every step lined up. And it's really more you take a step, you're going to get inspiration to take another step. You take that next step. I don't believe our human minds have the capacity to envision all of the potential variables that are going to come in to affect an outcome. And part of our free will is we choose different paths and those variables include other people's paths and their free will. And so there's so many variables that come into play that affect an outcome, not to mention future events are fluid. So, you know, we have global pandemics that can change the best plans and we have all kinds of things that happen that can affect do you find that most people have a desire to connect with their spirituality whether they admit it or not do you think that's just something we all come in with and it's a deep-seated thing that every person has
2: yes absolutely I mean I've never thought about it in those terms I've never been asked that direct question but my gut is yes I mean because it's that feeling of something's missing and I just don't believe that without a, a spiritual connection, a spiritual anchoring, that anybody would be could really honestly say that they were totally fulfilled. So I believe that there, there is that that constant thing in your gut, whatever you want to call it, that is saying there's something more, you know? And look at all of the people, the very successful, wealthy. Hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. Everyone you're listening
0: to the Ask Julie Ryan Show, stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Arizona Bell about life and spirituality and appealing to millennials and people of all ages to really tap into their innate curiosity, I guess, is a good word. Of their spirituality. And Arizona, before the break, you had mentioned that you feel that a lot of people have come to the conclusion that something's missing in their lives. Perhaps they've got the career and the family and they look good and they got the cars and all the stuff, but it's still not as fulfilling as what they'd like for it to be. And um, and you're helping people, as I am, really get in touch with spirit. And we were talking about that everybody really has that curiosity, even people that are crusty, I find, when they find out what I do, and they'll say, well, I just don't believe in that. I, don't, I just don't think that's right. I mean, you know, the Bible, the Bible's against them. I go, like, well, the Bible's not against that. The angel appeared to Joseph and told him to take Mary and Jesus back by a different path. The another angel appeared to Mary and said, Hey, you know, Jesus is coming. You need to call him Jesus. And Moses was talking to a burning bush and the Bible is full. Saul was struck down. You know, the Old Testament's full. I find all ancient texts are full of spirits and angels. And I think angels are in every culture. Wouldn't you
2: agree? Yeah, all if not most for sure. Yeah, and you know, just on your note, look at Jesus. He was the ultimate energy healer and medium and everything. Really.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, people say to me, "Well, you talk to spirits. That's that's evil." And I go, "Well, do you pray?" And they'll say, "Yes." And I'll say, "Well, to whom are you praying?" And they'll say, "Jesus," or the Virgin Mary, or some saint, or Buddha, or whomever. And I'll say, "Well." is uh, Jesus sitting next to you on the couch when you're talking to him? And they'll say, no, no, but that's different. I said, you're talking to a spirit. What's different about it? It's all the same thing. And it'll be interesting because then, then they'll say, well, I still don't believe it. And I said, well, that's fine. And then I'll change the topic. And then they'll want to come back and discuss it some more. So right. it's really fun how that, that works out. Talk to us about your new book. I love the title, Soul Magic, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Mystics. And uh, do you believe that all cultures have kind of a proprietary way to reach spirit? And is that what your book is about? It's an amalgamation of all of these different cultures and devices and things to reach spirit.
2: Yeah, basically, you know, the tagline, I'll show it to you here for the people on video. It's a really pretty book too it makes yeah, for great coffee table stuff but the tagline's ancient wisdom for modern mystics and it is it's a primer for these ancient uh, we have 17 that we cover ancient modalities of ways to connect with spirit and and healing and all of those things and it, it covers these 17 topics as as a primer and an amalgamation as you said and i do believe that you know, it's it's long been said that the core of every religion, you know, is the same and that's love. And so these are just ways to connect and amplify that love. And that's kind of like going back to your original question on, you know, people are going to feel unfulfilled if they don't have that ultimate source of love in their life in some way in faith in some way. Right. And trust in this bigger system that's going on. So, yeah, my book Soul Magic is is um, kind of an amalgamation of all of these different ways. And you can kind of choose your journey, you know, like choose your adventure. It's like some of these things work for you and some of them don't. And these are just kind of entry points into the world of spirit and what works for you works for you. So you can kind of see what's best for what resonates with you best, I guess.
0: I am fascinated with how the pagan symbols have been embraced by religions over the millennia and utilized and, and in preparation for this interview with you today for this chat, I looked up, what what is the, pay? I, I just was, I was led, Spirit was telling me, you know, look up where the cross, the sign of the cross came from. And, it, and I found out it was a pagan symbol for fertility, which I thought was interesting about what is all of what's it all about it's about rebirth you know we see a cross especially christians and we think okay jesus died on the cross to be reborn and all that stuff that goes with that but i felt a tingle actually when i read that and i thought well duh of course it's fertility. And yep. I know crystals and talismans. And I was raised Catholic and I'm a practicing Catholic. And oh my God, the incense. When I was a kid, I just thought I was going to die because these priests were on the altar using all this incense. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to breathe. I'm going to pass out in the front pew in the first grade and they're going to have to carry me out because. And they'll put in the medical report, she passed out because of incense overload. And they still, some priests still do that. I mean, it's it's amazing. And all of that stuff comes from rituals and trends and traditions and all of that. And I find it's interesting when you go back and you see where did that originate? Do you have some of that in the book as well of where things originated and and how they've been used by different cultures and especially what happens when you use them?
2: Yes, that's exactly what's in the book on each chapter. We kind of go through the origin story of each thing, you know, like there was a as you speak of incense, there was a famous like, uh, you know, path where all of this stuff was traded back in ancient ancient days ancient egypt all this stuff and they were they were transporting frankincense which was like more than gold back then and well that's what's burning in all of these temples now is frankincense still to this day so yeah we talk about the origins of them and and why that matters and and how it's still in effect today and how you can use it in your own life because these things are there they've been there for they're timeless for a reason, because they work.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think people your age and even younger that are into spirituality, I see a lot of them saging houses or rooms, and I equate that with incense that's used in the churches and, um, and other temples and things like that. Do you think that's the same thing? It's, it's just a, a, a carrying on forward with that kind of, of concept? that maybe the it came from the cavemen and then went in the all the different times throughout history that it's it's keeps adapting into new new uses and new
2: techniques. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, this stuff is from the indigenous people that you know, and we're talking sage and and in all the indigenous tribes and Native Americans and it's sacred to them. And, you know, just on that note, we talk a little bit on that in the book of how it's being, now it's all these hip spiritual kids are saging everything anywhere they go. And, you know, there's a sacredness to it that we have to keep in mind too. It's not about just light sage whenever you get into the house. It It is a ceremonial thing. And so it is, it is adapting for new times. And as we say, modern mystics, this stuff is just as accessible to them too. But we and I think the important thing in this book when I was writing it and researching for it too was keeping in mind that sacred tradition where it comes from and honoring that and not just doing these things because it it sounds cool or looks cool or it makes it a cool Instagram post. You know what I mean? Because um, sage is very beautiful in an Instagram story when it's burning. But it's there's a sacredness to it that we want to carry through and, and keep that reverence too. What is the deal
0: with the crystals? I mean, so many people say, well, do you use crystals? The way I do woo-woo and the way I teach it is you don't need anything. You don't need crystals. You don't need talismans. you got your head. Your head's like a big satellite dish. You connect to spirit. Boom. It's a nanosecond. Boom. You're there. You can do whatever you want. But I know that crystals are very, very popular to a lot of people. And a lot of people use them for healing. What have you found in your research and in your own experience that crystals provide for people in the way of helping them maybe do healings, helping the body heal. What have you found in your research?
2: Sure. So I actually agree with you that you don't need anything. We are directly able to plug right in. Right. But things like crystals and talismans and all of that in the rituals around them all, they're just amplifiers. So, and who doesn't want some amplifying help every once in a while? And plus, crystals are really pretty. So to have them all over your home, you've got a gorgeous home and they're amplifying your intention, basically. So you can program a crystal or a talisman or a pen. I mean, it could be any of those things. But crystals are very high vibrational. So they are able to pro you're able to program your intention into them and if you keep that crystal near you and around you, it will amplify. So that's, those are what these things are being used for. They're just tools to help on the journey towards spirit. But I agree with you at the very core of it. All you need is if you were alone in a room with nothing else and you just had your functioning mind and your body, you're able to do this. So all of these other things, they're tools and reminders because we do kind of need to be reminded sometimes about the discipline that comes with spirituality What do you mean by that? I mean, I, you can know all of the things I could read all of the books about spirituality and have all of the knowledge in my head, but there for me personally, I found that I do need a certain discipline where I do need to, I do. It makes my life work better. When I continue that conversation I made with spirit in the original surrender prayer, where, what do you need me to do? So it, things like prayer and meditation and if i do a little altar ritual for my ancestors those things help me stay disciplined and remember every day that i'm dedicating my life to spirit i guess that's what i mean it's a reminder okay when
0: you talk about program crystals and program talismans what do you
2: mean by that literally just intention some people go some people put them under the moonlight to charge them under the moonlight or all kinds of different ways of charging them but intention intention I have a crystal right here I'll show you it's like this is my crystal and I'm putting my I'm programming it by putting my intention into it I'm speaking my intention into it this crystal's going to remind me that my intention is I want to serve the world this way
0: huh all right well we're going to go to break here in a minute and when we come back I want to I want to expand on that I want and I want to talk about healing places places with energy that heals Yay. so we'll do that <laughs> Love when that. we come back <laughs> from break all right stay with us everybody you're listening to the ask julie ryan show welcome back everybody we've got arizona bell with us today and before the break we were talking about crystals and programming them and other talismans and i had never heard that before that's a first, this is the first time I've ever heard of that, but it makes sense to me because I know when I pick up certain objects, especially if they belong to somebody like a piece of jewelry or a rosary in my case, family and I have all my deceased loved ones rosaries. I've got lots of them. I've got a drawer full of them of my grandparents and my mothers and my dads and people like that and they have an energy to them. What do you think that's all about? Is that part of the programming or is that just they pick
2: up the energy of the person who uses them a lot or both? I mean, I think it's all, all, everything's subconscious programming. So yeah, if you have somebody that has a rosemary and they're praying into it every day or however often for their whole life, yeah, that's programming it. That's what it a is. A rosemary? It's called a rosary. <laughs> I know it's called a rosary. Did I say rosemary? That's funny. You said it. If Somebody has a rosemary. Going, well, I meant rosary. That? I know what it's called, but... Yeah. um, So yeah, that's absolutely programming (laughs) to your rosemary. That's funny. We do talk about rosemary in the book as an herb too, but yes. So yeah, that's, that's absolutely um, programming. And um, you know, that's the, I think they call it psychometry where you can pick up an object and kind of read the energy too. So all of that is, is definitely a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of my son's best friends bought his uh, fiance's engagement ring in one of those neighborhood trader deal things and so his parents brought it over for me to clear the energy out of it and I was holding this diamond engagement ring and oh my god Arizona I got this whole story about this was a woman who wasn't married very long and her marriage was very violent I was seeing all these scenes and everything I was like man it's like I think we're clearing this out because you don't want to start off a a marriage with that kind of Voodoo, woo woo stuff in there. Right. Tell us what some of the things are that come to mind that you talk about in the book. Like rosemary, you say rosemary has a spiritual application, or or is it just a, a medicinal or a health application? Talk about a couple of your favorite things that you talk that you mention in the book.
2: Yeah, you know we have a list of different herbs that um, on and their properties for both physical and spiritual healing. So that's pretty cool. So you have the physical elements, like with Rosemary, it's like improves memory and improves the sh- your hair condition and your, you know, things like that. And and then there's the spiritual components as well, which I can't remember off the top of my head actually with Rosemary. But that we have all of these listed out in there with all those different components. And it's really, really interesting. I know they used to say, I think it's you put witches would put rosemary outside of their door to protect their homes and their, their families. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of things that, that these, these esoteric meanings behind these herbs and things, but then it's good for your body too. So yeah, we talk about that. We have a whole chapter about herbalism. So herbalism and, and I know crystals and what are some of the other ones? Yeah, so we have, I mean, it's really across the gamut. We have aromatherapy, crystals, herbs. We have mediumship. We have spirit communication. We have sacred pilgrimage and travel. We have even Sabbath, a day of rest. We talk about literally across the board, yoga, meditation, all kinds of things that are ancient in origin. Funny thing about it's coming to
0: mind with the the herbs and the plants and things I was getting a facial one day the gal who does my facials is just hilarious she's a riot And I was saying something about, well, yeah, that, you know, I don't do well with that because it's just irritates my skin. And she said, well, just because it's natural doesn't mean it's good. You know, you're not going to rub poison ivy all over your face. And that's natural. I said, yeah, you're right. And that's always stuck with me. I I don't ever intend to rub rub poison ivy all over my face. So (laughs) speaking of, of special places, I'm always fascinating with healing places and places that have vortexes that that are creating some kind of a phenomenon that people throughout the ages can can see and certainly historic ones I tell you one really fast here I live in Birmingham Alabama as you know and there's this place called gravity hill. That's about 10 miles, 10, 15 miles from us. And a couple of Thanksgivings ago, actually, we were at my daughter-in-law's family's, her great aunt's house. And it was really fun. Well, it was near Gravity Hill. Gravity Hill is, it, it ends up on a highway, a state highway, and there's a stop sign. So you go to the stop sign, you put your car in neutral, and your car's pulled backwards up the hill. So I'm thinking, okay, cool, we need to go try this. And Jonathan, my son, and my husband, Tim, and I went, and they are giving me so much grief, you can imagine. Oh, mom, it's such a waste of time. I can't believe you talked us into this, all this jazz. So we go there, we're facing the stop sign. I have Tim put the car in neutral. We get pulled up the hill five miles an hour. We did it three times. They were just amazed. And so, of course, I had to scan what was going on you know, I'm like, was well, there an Indian burial ground here or what's happening? And there was further up the hill, but it was just a vortex that was there in the, in the topography of the land. And apparently all these scholars from all over the world have come to Alabama to study gravity Hill. If you, if you do on your GPS, it comes up how to get there. And it wow. it's really cool. So that's something that's that's close by. But I've heard that indigenous cultures, they are always looking for places that have good energy to have their settlements and their, you know, their burial grounds and stuff like that. What have you found in your research along those lines?
2: Absolutely. I, I've never heard of Gravity Hill. I'm going to have to check that out. Well, you that's need very... to come visit me and I'll yeah, take you there. Absolutely. All right. There's the invitation. I'm on it. Um. Yeah. You know, I lived in Sedona, Arizona for three plus years. And, you know, that's, that's like the most famous vortex place in the world, one of them. And totally that's where the, that's where the indigenous people settled. And you know why you just know when you go there. And, and so I, I understand that. And I've, and even where I just lived in Mallorca, Spain, as you know, that was a, that whole Island, not a lot of people know that is built on a bed of crystal quartz, which is a a crystal, the entire thing. And so the, the entire island is this massive energy field and everybody who lives there in Majorca and also in Sedona knows that. And, and they say, they say Sedona and or Mallorca will, it will kind of give you the boot. It'll kick you out energetically if you're not in the vibration of that massive energy, which is, difficult to do. So it, you, when you move to places like this with the, these huge energy vortexes, you're going to go through stuff and you're going to stuff's going to come up in your life and to ultimately heal you, but it's it's for your spiritual advancement. And that's what places like that do. I lived a mile from a vortex in Sedona and I when I would drive down to Phoenix to visit my mom, I could feel the shift in energy by the time I got to my home like there's no question about it. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm in a different totally different vibration right now so it's it's pretty interesting it's invisible and it's like how can this be but it's it's i've felt it the first time i went there
0: i i was driving up there and i was like oh my god this is so gorgeous i mean it's just beautiful but i saw little like little dust devils running around on the ground it was interesting well when we come back let's continue that conversation everybody stay with us we're talking to arizona bell we'll be right back after the break Welcome back. We're talking with Arizona Bell. And before the break, we were talking about uh, spiritual kind of healing places or places where there's vortexes or was the plural, vortices. You're the journalism major. Is that what it is? Vortices, something like that. And uh, the things that come to mind, you know, being 12 years Catholic, Catholic schoolgirl are Lourdes, France, and Fatima in Portugal where the Virgin Mary appeared to children or whomever. And when I was looking things up, again, preparing to talk to you today, I got that that in Lourdes, there was a pagan temple there, and it was known as the God of Water
2: Temple. Had you read that before? I had not read that before. I did not research that. That's interesting. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and I think it's interesting that, that those were places that the apparitions happened where they were chosen throughout time. They obviously were a, um, certainly the divine can do anything, but I find it interesting that they those kinds of places were chosen. The Stonehenge,
2: obviously, dates back to what, 3000 BC or something like that? Yeah, something and, like that, and it's, it's still as magical as ever, and people gather there for every solstice and event, planetary event you could think of just because the energy is so potent have you been there i have not been there but i know people that I've i have my good friends that live in the uk and uh it's on my list for sure me too me too and then the one that's really on my list is avalon
0: which is mm-hmm. supposedly the modern day glastonbury yes. in the in england in the uk and that's that's what the legend of King Arthur and the Round Table and Camelot and and all of that is all about. Do you know anybody that's
2: been there? I do. I know many people. Some of my best friends, because again when I was living in Spain, I was on an island where there was a lot of UK expats and they were all into all of that stuff. And in fact, when we started Spirit Guides magazine way back, one of our first articles, because we used to do travel articles to sacred sites, just like we're we're discussing today. And we also discuss in the book sacred sites and somebody wrote an article about their pilgrimage to Avalon and it was just It opened my mind and my eyes to it like because I hadn't had much knowledge about it And so again on my list I kind of kick myself in the butt for being over in Europe for so long and not making it there But I've heard it's very magical Well, and the lady of the lake right is the right. is the um, spirit
0: that's supposed to be there who helps cure people yeah. Yep. we yep. um,
2: swear by from, it for King Arthur and all that. Have you seen Frozen Two, the movie? I have not seen Frozen Two. I saw Frozen One a lot more than I ever wanted to, but I, I have not seen the second. Oh, one, no. you need to see Frozen Two. I've seen it four times.
0: It yeah. is amazing, and it reminds me of that whole story of the lady in the lake. Uh, I mean, just the the story itself, and the music, and the the um, animation is absolutely superb and there's a um, documentary on the making of Frozen 2 and it talks about how they get to the the storyline and how they create it kind of as they go when they're making the movie which blew my mind that you've got this huge project and they're in and they're a month out and they're still writing the script and doing the animation. I'm thinking, Oh my goodness. How do you guys do this? Actually, it's so profound that I teach with it in my classes. I use it in my classes. Yeah. I would highly recommend you can, you you can buy it for $10 at Target. So go get yourself a copy (laughs) if you need to on that. The other, the other thing that's interesting to me is the Camino. de de Santiago where they end up at, what is it? The cathedral of St. James.
2: Yes, I
0: have. Yeah, I have. It goes, I, a, yeah, it I, goes, a I think, from, from the French Pyrenees through Europe, and it's what a month pilgrimage, and there's lots of different routes you can take.
2: Yes, exactly. I have a very good friend who did the whole thing, and her her uh, account of the transformation that she went through is just incredible. I actually had her write an article about it because it was so moving. Um, and I almost did that. I was going to, I was going to sign up and well sign myself up. Not like you have to sign a list, but I was going to commit to that. But, you know, good old COVID came and struck us, struck us all. So, but uh, I'm doing it one day. And we write about that in the book as well as one of the sacred pilgrimages, because I mean, pilgrim pilgrimage is a, it's an ancient journey or an ancient modality for people to, to get into the spiritual mindset and path because you're, it's just you and the land and spirit. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. And your, your dedication to that. And, and any, any time you go on, on a journey like that it, today, you could go on a modern pilgrimage, cr- pilgrimage. I, I bought an RV and traveled all of America. And that to me was a spiritual pilgrimage. I did that after my mom passed away, mm-hmm. but yes, the Camino is amazing. I found out too that that
0: was an ancient Roman trade route. Yep. Yeah, which I thought was fascinating as well because again, you've got that historic piece, you've got the spiritual piece. Was this was it a trade route for the Romans because it had a spiritual component to it, and they were drawn that to I, go I, that I, way? That
2: I'm not sure about, but I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. No. Me too. The chicken yeah. or the egg kind of a thing. Like, the first. I feel like. Oh, sorry. I feel like back in ancient times, everything had a spiritual component. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So I would, I I believe, all of those trails and and the ancient routes were were intended because of they probably went through spiritual centers, and that was intended.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. The interesting thing
0: about that one, my one of my best friends, her son just did it. And he didn't really have much of a spiritual thing. He got he got tired of staying in hostels, so he stayed in a hotel a few times along the road. But, but the first time I heard about it was um, with Shirley MacLaine on Oprah, actually. And she wrote a book about it.
2: God bless about, Shirley MacLaine and all of
0: her work in the spiritual world. Who would have thought? I know. Absolutely. Yeah, she really introduced me to the past life thing and the all of that long before I I knew about woo woo or had really started to study it. And I remember her being on Oprah and talking about that and I and her spiritual experiences as she went for the month, you know, in different places, even to the point of seeing packs of wild dogs that were coming at her and she was able to communicate with them. And they wow. left. And they I think they tell you to walk it alone if you can, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. They do tell you to walk it alone. And the friend I know that went on ended up meeting people here and there. Of course you're on a trail with other people and you know, they'd, they'd come into companionship for a little while, but then there was, she kind of relayed that there was this pulling that she wanted to be alone too. Like mm-hmm. it was kind of like, hi, nice to meet you. And let's have a night where we all, you know, sp- spend some good cheer together, but I need to do this alone. So yeah, I, I feel like those things, Are powerful when you're able to kind of roll solo for a while right and then what do you think the significance is
0: that they end up at the cathedral of saint james which in my my research it looks like it was built in the ninth century and it's massive it's just like european cathedrals this one's one of the biggest ones there is and apparently several saints are buried
2: there i don't know which ones but a bunch of them right so yeah and I i don't know is there a
0: significance
2: there's always a significance and the bigger the cathedral, the more the significance, you know, that is, that is how it was measured in ancient times is the, the, you know, cause it it was no small feat to make these large, massive cathedrals and beautiful. And the details in them are astonishing, you know, in the modern world, uh, we can't even fathom how much effort went into that. And it was, it was a spiritual offering. So, when you end up at this massive cathedral, St. James in this case, it's it's honoring all of the energy that's gone into these pilgrimages and your spiritual, all of the people that have walked the spiritual path before you and have honored this these spiritual principles. I mean, the energy in that cathedral, is it's unmeasurable. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm yeah I,
0: I'd like to I don't know that I want to do the month-long path but I'd like to go to the cathedral so I may do just, that just, just helicopter just, into the cathedral. just like cut to the chase go to the cathedral stay in a nice hotel you know I mean that, right that would be more that would be more of is it for everybody it's that's
2: not for right. everybody
0: <laughs> that's right but the other thing that I find interesting that I've started doing some research in and I'm really feeling led to go is the Bosnian pyramids are you familiar with those only peripherally so no you tell me yeah the bosnian pyramids they found and they were covered in vegetation and there's a archaeologist that was visiting bosnia and he's like that's no hill because it was perfect a perfect geometrical pyramid and so they started excavating it and they found all these underground tunnels and stuff and they claim that they're older than the egyptian pyramids i think double the age maybe twelve thousand years old instead of five or six Wow. And uh, there have been lots of scholars that have validated the information, but where it's positioned is from a latitude and longitudinal standpoint, very significant and amazing healing powers in there. They have people that are going inside the pyramids and they all have high blood pressure and they'll come out an hour later and their blood pressures normalized or high blood sugar and their blood sugar is normalized and also people with all kinds of different diseases and illnesses and things like that and i find that fascinating and the other thing i find fascinating is they he claims that it's that they can measure the scalar waves which is what tesla talked about the energy of the scalar waves he claims that that his hypo, well his hypothesis let me put it this way his name's like Dr. Sam Osmanovich or something like that, and he his hypothesis is that it was a intergalactic uh, internet, early internet, because of where the pyramids are positioned. And there's three of them there, and then there's there are pyramids all over the world apparently as well. So when we come back, I want to talk about dreams and visitations from spirit. And we'll get into that. So everybody stay with us. You're listening to the Ask Julie Ryan show. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Ask Julie Ryan show. We've got Arizona Bell with us on this Thanksgiving evening of 2020. And I wanted to to talk with you for a few minutes about dreams and visitations. I think it's... It's been recorded throughout history in not only religious or um, cultural texts, but but even even Oliver Twist. You know, it's they talk about stuff in that. They talk about certainly the Christmas Carol. You know, the ghosts of Christmas past. How does that work in your world? What is a dream visit to you?
2: Sure. So a dream visit is when. Either you can arrange a dream visit or it can happen totally spontaneously, but a dream visit would be when one of your loved ones who has passed, one of your loved ones in the light or even a spirit guide or an angel or anybody on your spirit team, as I call it, comes to you, visits you in a dream to relay messages to you, to relay love to you, to relay um, assurances to you that they are still with you, that they don't really die. They're still always with you. Um, And these are not dreams. They're, they're different. They're actually hanging out with these energies, these people, whoever they are um, in the astral realm. So that's, that's what a dream visit is. And, you know, for instance, I, I, I thought I'd have a dream visit from my mom immediately after she passed away because I thought I was already into all this. I knew it could happen, but I didn't for for months and months and I was pissed. I was like, "Mom, why aren't you coming to me in my dream?" you know? Um, but I'll never forget the first time that she did. And there wasn't even words said. And it, you just woke up and you knew it wasn't a dream. It it didn't have that feeling of a dream. It wasn't like all over the place. It was, "Nope, this is mom and she's come to just hold me and, you know, pat my head and let me cry in her arms and and, and communicate to me that she's with me every single day, and you just know it's different.
0: Mm-hmm. I've described them as <clears throat> everything seems to be in super high D, high dev. Mm-hmm. The colors are more vibrant, the smells are more pungent, the the feelings are more intense you may wake up you may feel like the hair is standing up on the back of your neck or on your arms or something you may have goosebumps from it that's a visit when that happens and and it's because it's a different vibrational level we when spirits are attached to bodies like we have now with us because we're alive the body is very dense and so it lowers the vibrational level and spirit vibrates at a very fast pace. You know, everything's made out of energy. I'm sitting at my big cherry desk in my office and it's very solid and it it's very heavy. And I know it's just energy. It's just vibrating more slowly than the internet energy that we're using to chat today across vast differences between the two A states, right? Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama and so I think it's interesting, too, that I talk about in my book, Angelic Attendance, what really happens as we transition from this life into the next, that that our deceased loved ones are there for us as we're transitioning. And it's family members and it's other people from multiple lifetimes. And it's really interesting how I'll see them in period dress, like I'll see people from the Renaissance ages and from the 60s in go-go boots and mini skirts and looking like Twiggy and, and, uh, people that look like they were on Mad Men, you know, different TV shows and, and certainly their Renaissance period and all of that. There is a book too, interestingly enough, written by a a guy who's a PhD MD named Dr. Chris Kerr, K E R R. And it's called Dying as a Dream. Are you familiar with that book?
2: I've heard of it. I have not read it.
0: It's really terrific. He is a hospice director, and he's done university-based research on, I think it's a couple thousand patients, and 88% of them report at the end of their lives either either dreaming about their loved ones that are coming to them to kind of greet them and comfort them, or visits. And back to the visits, it feels like it's in high D. My brother-in-law, when my sister died, it would be the 10th anniversary of her death. It was last week, and my younger sister, and a couple of years after she died, my brother-in-law called, and he said, I had this dream about your sister. My sister's name was Joan, and and I said, well, what? tell me about it, and he said, oh, it was so real, and he said, I walked downstairs, Down. I came down the stairs, and she was sitting on the couch in the living room, and... And uh, she said, where have you been? And he, and he said, I answered, and I said, what do you mean, where have I been? Where have you been? You're dead. What are you doing here? And she goes, what are, you, no, it's, what are you talking about? And he said they had this conversation. So he said when he went downstairs the next morning, in their hall closet, the light was on. Now, the significance of the hall closet in their main hallway from the front door back to the back of the home is all her stuff is in there all her coats, her gloves, her, all that jazz. And he said, I hadn't been in that closet since she died. Nobody's been in that closet since she died. And he said, and I'm walking downstairs and the light is on in the closet. I said, that wasn't a dream. That was a visit. Mm-hmm. And so I love that story that that's, she was yes, there. I just
2: got chills. Yeah, that's yeah. Great.
0: yeah, and when you get chills like that, that's validation from spirit. That that's exactly what's happened. Talk to us about astral travel. You mentioned that a little bit about when you can do uh, dream visits. What's your understanding of that? How do you relate to that?
2: Yeah, you know, I've had some good friends that like professionally astral travel. I'll, I'll call it that. And I think that I've always had a tendency to do it without really understanding what was going on. But yeah, from what my understanding is. Dreamland is real life. some you know, it's real life. and we go to bed and we recharge it. We're traveling. We're talking to our people out there. We're you know, we're still connected to our silver cord that keeps us alive, but we're literally traveling the different realms and we're we're talking to our loved ones, we're going to get new information. I remember when I was first on my spiritual journey like consciously, I just remember dreaming and traveling at night to visit teachers, spiritual teachers in the astral world that were like, these are the messages we want you to remember. These are the mess every night you have to train to remember to bring these messages back. And it was like my mission to bring the messages back. And of course for the first many times I couldn't remember. And I, but it was like, I knew I went on a journey at night. It was not a dream. It was literally travel to learn while I was asleep to bring the lessons back Hold right. that thought. We're gonna to need to take a quick
0: break. When we come back, I wanna continue the conversation about astral travel because I think it's fascinating and I think most people do as well. So stay with us everybody. We'll be back right after the break. Welcome back to the Ryan show. We're talking with Arizona Bell and we were talking about astral travel right before the break. And I think people are fascinated by that and and how we can go to different realities. While still being attached to a human body, how do you think that works?
2: Oh, I don't know how it works, but I know that it works, and I know that you yeah. can. Train, I know that you can train yourself to to astral travel, and you can practice just like any other spiritual modality. To me, it's been something that's happened naturally, um, and I think that if I were to spend some time practicing it. I would be actually pretty advanced at it because it, it does come naturally to me. But the, my friends that do practice astral travel, literally professionally, they can train themselves to go where they want to go while they're asleep and they can, um, ma- they can, they're in control of it more or less. So it, I don't know how it works, but I find it also very, very fascinating and I know that it does work. And so you, you, before
0: the break, you mentioned something about you get messages that you are led to convey to others? How does that work for you?
2: What happens that in that instance? Yeah. Well, like I said, when I was first having these experiences, um, it was hard for me to remember coming back. And I think we all kind of can experience that even in dreams, regular dreams, like it's, it's hard to remember. And I just remember this feeling of, I need to remember the messages to bring back. And, after, after, you know, astral traveling in my dreams enough, I've kind of practiced as well. And, and now I'm able to remember more. and, And it's kind of like, you know, when somebody gets a meditation download and, you know, they're meditating and then they come out of meditation and they're like, oh, this is the title for my new book, or this is the decision I need to make that I was confused about. It's the same thing with astral travel. It's these, these answers to your questions and these messages that you or humanity need to hear being transmitted to you and bringing them back into this waking life. I mean, we have a team on the other side that are helping us every night. That's my understanding is we have teams helping us as we recharge and sleep. They're they're coaching us on the other side how to best bring those messages and information to our waking life.
0: Well, and I think that it's because our... Our busy monkey mind, some people call it monkey mind, our busy cognitive mind is taking a break. And so we're not in a vibration that occludes high vibration information coming through. That's what I always talk to people about is when you're grieving, when you're mad, when you're in a, in a, fear-based emotion that's a low vibration well it's like you're trying to listen to classic rock on the talk radio station it doesn't work that's not what they're playing on that station you've got to raise your vibrational level in order to get the information that's coming in on the high vibe channel and when we sleep we're not we're not paying attention to what our vibration level is we're just resting and so even neutral it's a, the communications able to come in. I find that a lot of information is downloaded to me for guidance first thing in the morning, kind of as I'm sort of waking up, but I'm not all the way awake yet. And it's boom, it's just right there all of the time. Also non-local reality, and I teach this. It reminds me of as a kid, I love to watch Bewitched. Did you ever watch that TV show growing up? I used to think, I just want to be like Samantha Stevens when I grow up. You know, I want to snap my fingers and be in a different location. And now I do that. You know, I do that instantly, whether while I'm awake normally. And um, I'm sure I do it in my dreams, too. But I do it on purpose when I'm awake, connect to spirit and boom, you're there. And I can see what's going on. I mean, the interesting thing about that is the CIA, all the intel, agencies. I hear Google, uh, Apple, a lot of the big tech companies, they have people that do this, not only the spy agencies, but there are very famous stories during the Cold War about there'd be psychics and people that could do non-local reality at the CIA and at the Department of Defense and the intelligence agencies. And they were able to see where the Russian missiles were from a longitudinal and latitudinal you know, place, and they describe what they looked like, and they drew pictures. And, you know, it was very accurate with that. And so I think, how does one decide or how do how do they set it up that, okay, I want to astral travel, and I'm looking for this information, or I want to see this person? Is there a tip that you can give everybody that's watching and listening of how to do this?
2: Yeah, you know, it's just it's just like with crystals, everything for me comes down to intention. I when I am trying to say utilize the astral travel experience or the dreamland experience to solve a problem or or come up with an idea that I need or anything like that or or for instance meet my mom in dreamland if I want to see my mom. Now, it's about not just hoping it happens whenever of course, sometimes it does spontaneously happen, right? But it's going to bed with the intention of, hey, mom, I'd like to meet you in my dreams tonight. Or hey, spirit guide, master spirit guide, I'd like an answer to this question. So my tip is to to meditate before bed, first of all, in in that, get into that space, or if you don't want to call it meditation, just get into a relaxed space, because that's where our subconscious mind right before bed is so impressionable. And and st- stating your intention that you want the answer to this question to come to you in dreamland or you want to meet this person in dreamland. The intention, it makes all the difference. I do that as an internal alarm, especially if I'm catching an
0: early flight or something. Yeah, so I'll do set I. The intention Before I go to bed and I'll say, OK, I'm waking up at 345 a.m. And I still set my alarm, but I always wake up right yep. at the time that I'm supposed to. And it works great. So that leads into deja vu, past lives. How does that work? How do past lives, in your view, impact this life? And and how does that all go together? And is deja vu real? Is it that we're in a place where it looks familiar or, or
2: it reminds us of a place from a past life? How does that work? You know, everybody has their different theories on this, of course, you know. But I, I I'm under the impression and my my understanding is that everything's happening all at the same time, and that is so hard for our 3D human brains to understand. But yeah, we're multidimensional, we're we're living multiple realities all at the same time, and they all affect one another in the quantum field. And that's wild to think about, but it's true. And and that's why, you know, even now. Like psychologists are saying, if you heal your own trauma, you can heal your entire lineage of trauma because it it has this ripple effect through the quantum field through all of time, which I know is sounds so wild, but it's also so cool. And that is that is my that is what I believe And And, you know, with deja vu. To me, my superstitious belief, at least, is that it, it to me signifies that I'm on the right track. I don't know what the real answer is, but to me, that is what I've always intuitively thought is when I have a moment of deja vu, it means that I'm where I need to be. That's how I understand it. Now, if it means that I'm not where I need to be, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the
0: multiple reality thing, I agree with you. It's really hard for us to wrap our human heads around it, but I believe that's what we're seeing, I, I, can, I do instant replays a lot. You know, like you're watching a football game and they'll do an instant replay of the touchdown. And right. I'll, if somebody's had something happen or certainly a past life, every spirit has their own frequency. So I think of, to your point with the dreams, you think of your mom and you say, hey mom, I want to meet you in the dream. You've connected your satellite dish head to her frequency and spirits mm-hmm. keep the same frequency throughout all of their lifetimes. So that's how that works. So that's how we can do past life stuff. But my gosh, the stories that I could tell you are just endless. And one in particular that comes to mind right now is a friend of mine who lives in Nashville, lives in a housing development that was an old plantation. And in her backyard, at the corner of her backyard, they're pretty big lots, She has the foundation of something, some building, and there are a bunch of graves around it. So, of course, they moved into the house. I'm there helping her move in. This is several years ago. And she's like, go up and scan that and see what it is. So it was a chapel that was part of that plantation. And the family members are buried inside the stone wall. And, of course, the slaves are buried on the outside of the stone wall. And my guess is that they were probably the slaves that worked in the house that were very dear to the family. So anyways, in her guest room, when I would turn on my radar, I could see people at turn-of-the-century dress, like in the 1800s, early 19, well, late 1800s, I would say, in their Sunday best walking towards the chapel. It was wild. And every time I was there, I would see the same thing. So it's that multiple reality Happening, and then past lives. We I love to do past lives because we can find information normally that we can corroborate with online information, and that just blows people's minds when you come up with a name and you say, okay, well you lived in the Seattle area, uh, you know, in 1930, and you were a logger, and they go back to the census records or the birth records or whatever. I wrote a blog on this a, a few weeks ago and and it was somebody who lived in the North, northern California during in the area that was part of the gold rush area and she had a building that that had paranormal activity happening in it, multiple realities again, and and so she wanted me to scan it and see what was going on and see if I could get them to go away with the paranormal stuff. And, and I got that it was a family's name that lived there and all this other information. And, and, and I found an article online. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. And we've got Miss Arizona Bell with us. And she is just an extraordinary gal, one of my favorite people on the planet. And we uh, were talking about about uh, reincarnation and past lives and jazz like that. And and in this last segment that we've got, Arizona, I want to talk about spirit guides and angels and how you suggest people connect with them. And and what kind of information have you found they're able to give you that's been useful? and And, and how has it been useful in a bunch of different areas of your life?
2: Sure. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, one of my good friends, Suzanne Wilson, says that spirit guides are kind of the unsung heroes of the spirit world because they're always there, always, always, always. And whether we know about it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we believe it or not, they are there. You have a main guide that's with you your whole life. And the best way to connect with spirit guides and angels both is to acknowledge them and ask for their help. That's the thing with this is, we have to ask. We have free will. Our spirit guides and angels can't just come in and, you know, dictate our whole life. That's not the point of our life. We have free will. So we, when we want to connect, when we want an answer, when we want to ask a question, when we need help, whatever it is, we, we need to ask them. We need to open that line of communication and we need to, you know, it never hurts to be grateful and say thank you to them. Thank you for all that you've done for me and given me. And man, they show up, they do. And uh, I, my, my relationship with my spirit team, my angels, my spirit guides, all of them has just improved so much. And I've been able to see the messages that they send me so much more clearly when I initiate those conversations with them, sometimes daily now. I find that people
0: think that they have control over our lives. And they don't because we're here to have the human experience. And that helps our soul expand, our spirit expand in each lifetime. And what I find is that they give us subtle cues. Like you'll get an idea and you'll say, Well, I can't do that because of blah, 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 blah. And then you'll keep getting the same idea and it'll keep kind of pinging in your head. And you'll think, Yeah, but I still can't do it. And they'll just, they'll just, send it lovingly what can you give us some examples of some information that you've downloaded from your spirit guides and angels and that, that's been really helpful and you've it's been applicable to whatever it is you were
2: working on at the time man in the last six or so years since my mom's passed away I feel like every important thing I've gotten has been from them um, so it's hard to, to narrow down but I will tell you this story because I had a, you know, a heart and I've heard this from many people who listen to my show and kind of follow me that my last thing that I really got into was angels. That was the hardest for me because, you know, just the religious connotation and everything. I was not an angel person, but I ended up having an angel reading with somebody. And she said, you know what, just ask and kind of invite them in and see what happens. So I'll never forget this moment. I'm in Italy. My, I was at a very low point. I won't go into details, but I was at a low point. And so I had this conversation with the angel communicator, and I said, all right, angels, I'm ready for you to show yourselves to me if you're, if you're here and you're real, and I'd like to, I'd like to start a, a relationship with you. Five minutes later, I took my dog on a walk, and she had just been diagnosed with cancer. I was so sad. Took her on a walk, and I went the same ro- route I ev- did every day. But out of nowhere, there was a street sign in in Europe that was just like a regular street sign. But somebody changed it with graffiti to be an angel. And it was right after I said my prayer and on the same road every day that I took. So to me, I was like, oh, my gosh, I took a picture. I was so glad I had my phone. And I was like, that is a sign. That's not a coincidence. That is a sign. And so to me, that started the relationship for me with my angels. So w- can you give us an example of
0: information that you've gotten that has been useful that you've applied in your
2: life and what the outcome was? I, I mean, I, as I was trying to say earlier, I'm like my head's blanking on a specific example because I feel like it, at this point in my life, it's, it's constant. It's, it's, it's what I rely on pretty much daily. So uh, I, I guess the, the big example is back when I got the idea for my company. That that was me saying I was working in a corporate environment as a writer, as a creative person, feeling stifled, feeling dread, going into a fluorescent lit room every day, and it wasn't my jam. And I was praying to my my team at the at the time, saying, "What can I do? Give me a sign." And they gave me that direct download out of nowhere of the name of my company, the tagline of my company, and a channeled message of my basically what became my mission statement. And I had no clue. That was not in my head at all. That came directly from source. So that that is a pretty big example of when they really came through for me. I find
0: too that the information comes in when you ask a question, it's going to come in within a second. And if you think mm-hmm. about it for more than a second, that's going to be your brain talking to you. And yeah. that spirit is very literal. They're always going to give us the correct answer. How applicable it's going to be is going to be predicated on how we ask the question. For instance, are we going to enjoy the movie? And you get a yes. And then you're watching some movie and you're thinking, oh my God, this is atrocious. What's up with that, guys? You know, why would you recommend this movie? Well, the way you ask the question could pertain to any movie you're going to watch for the rest of your life. What you want to ask is, will I enjoy watching Frozen 2 tonight on TV on Disney Plus? See the difference in how the question is asked. So I could talk to you all day about insane. all of this woo woo <laughs> stuff. So tell everybody how they can reach you, how they
2: can find you. Tell everybody how they can find your show and your books and all of that. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, Julie. I could talk to you all day too, and it's been such a pleasure to spend Thanksgiving thanks, Thanksgiving evening with you and your. Listeners, uh, you can find me easiest places, spiritguidesmedia.com, and that will kind of take you to all of the things that I do, but spiritguidesmedia.com, and then also very active on Instagram at spiritguidesmedia, and also my personal account is at underscore Arizona Bell, and that, those three places will lead you to pretty much everything that I do, so. And when do you do your show? Do you do it weekly? And where can people find it? Yes, my show, uh, the podcast is called A Matter of Life and Death with Arizona Bell. You can find it via spiritguidesmedia.com or you can go into iTunes, Spotify, any of those places and type in either Arizona Bell or A Matter of Life and Death with Arizona Bell. That will come up and it comes out weekly on Wednesdays. All right. And your book is available everywhere books are sold. Yes, Target, Amazon, the whole Shabam, Soul Magic, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Mystics. It's it's out there. <laughs> it's really it's really spectacular, you guys. You know, I highly recommend
0: that you get it and check it out. Arizona, I just adore you. Thank you so much for spending Thanksgiving evening with us and everybody enjoy your holiday weekend. Get ready to have a uh, holiday season unlike any other that we've experienced and we can choose to make it good or we can choose to make it bad choose to make it fun and and you know come up with some new creative ways to celebrate be
1: sure to follow julie on instagram and youtube at ask julie ryan and like her on facebook at ask julie ryan to schedule an appointment or submit a question please visit AskJulieRyan.com. ryan.com